This is All India Radio. Welcome to Science Serial. Life must go on. All India Radio, in collaboration with Vigyan Prasar, presents Science Serial. Life must go on. Based on understanding and managing sustainable development. Episode number sixteenth, titled "Interactive Program Based on Listeners' Letters." It's a pleasure and a privilege to welcome Dr. Pradeep Tagore, Distinguished Fellow and Director, Terry, the Energy and Resources Institute. Uh, he's also the former Secretary, Ministry of Environment, Forests and Climate Change. And for this special interactive program, we, we of course have Dr. Birender Tyagi, Senior Scientist and Coordinator of the Science Serial. And to my right is, as usual, Dr. R. Gopichandran, Director, Vigyan Prasar. We are well into. if i may say so the second quarter of science serial life must go on i was wondering if it would be appropriate to just mr tagi just to do a recap on the journey of the serial right since its inception we are now into the almost the 16th episode yes when we started i think the first uh, the curtain raiser we we discussed about like what is the intention of uh, coming up with this serial because of uh, the sustainable development is become a mool mantra of all the developmental planning and uh, it is not uh, the same uh, development model we are looking it into on three basic parameter that it should qualify that it should have that the environmental aspect the social mm-hmm. aspect beside the economic so development is not only in terms of economics only it has two other dimensions also and uh, this the sustainable development goal has been now part and parcel of all our developmental planning i think uh, niti ayog has already issued the direction and and those has been implemented in mm-hmm. by all the ministries and if we have to be part and parcel the, every citizen of india has to be contribute in some way or the other so for that it is necessary that we all should be at the same mental platform to understand what it is hmm. and what are the issues we are taking up and in what way i can contribute or in what way i could be a part of uh, this developmental process for achieving this you know objective to make the entire process as a participatory to create awareness before that people should know so in this it is this serial has a five segments in first part we try to give understanding like what we mean by when we say sustainable development mm-hmm. and what are the issues which we are talking about like uh, one aspect is energy because energy the whole uh, economy revolves around energy and uh, now we are thinking about the clean energy options mm-hmm. so what are uh, the possibilities and how we can achieve that because till now we are more on the conventional energy or fossil fuel and second is because of this our energy uh, consumption pattern we have already you know spoiled our uh, environment so there is a uh, the condition of natural resources is not very good so what we should do now to coming back to the original situation and uh, improving our environment and uh, the natural resources so in that what the best conservation practices we can adopt mm-hmm. and third aspect was now we are talking about large cities and all that so how we can make those uh, big cities sustainable because mm-hmm. if we see the recent incident of uh, the garbage Uh, which happened in delhi till now we don't have a full proof mechanism to dispose of that uh, the garbage which is created by in the urban scenario so if we don't have a proper plan do we call the development is co- complete or it's a holistic mm. so these are the issues which we have taken up in this uh, serial mm. and uh, just now we have finished the energy segment mm. and next will be on uh, natural resources dr pradeep tagore 
Let us take advantage of uh, your esteemed presence here. Life must go on has been the essence of various protocols and agreements on climate change. One gets to hear a lot about you know what happened in Montreal or Kyoto, Kyoto. or finally the Paris, Paris, Paris. Yes. A common listener, you know, has a lot of questions in his or her mind. What are these? And whatever they do, the entire world comes together. Is it really effective? I mean, just discussing it and then inking a, a few pages here and there. On the ground level, does it actually cause change? See what the effects on the ground may be. I think if you look in the studio, you will find that all these lights are LED. And LED bulbs, they consume very little electricity, generate very little CO2 as compared to the incandescent bulbs. Mm. Now, similarly, if we look at the fact that there is a wholesale movement of transport, public transport away from diesel mm. to natural gas. If you look at the very large amount of deployment that we already see in terms of clean technology, wind farms, solar panels and so on, and they are set to explode many fold. If we look at the levels of energy efficiency of our appliances before all these climate change agreements, there was nothing like a starred appliance. Hmm. So they were all energy guzzlers. So these are all the technological development and the deployment can all be traced mm -hmm. to the various steps that the different governments have taken mm -hmm. in response to the climate change agreements. And so I think that although the climate change problem is a very difficult problem to solve in its entirety, but I think that the world has taken more than baby steps in addressing this problem. Dr. Gopichandran, you're known for your crystal clear approaches on a variety of subjects. In the backdrop of the, the Swachh Bharat campaign, which is on, and would this be a timely question if I ask you the equation between development on the one hand and societal challenges and pressures on the other? How does one look at that? Let us be very clear, and I'll, I'll mention three points. One is called a personal agenda of growth. Another is a collective agenda for common good. I cannot as an individual isolate myself from common good, which therefore means hmm. my production and consumption hmm. preferences will certainly have an impact on the larger good. If collectively, therefore, we think of our responsibilities and our rights driven by a scientific understanding of something very simple, and that is at the core of all protocols and conventions. And what is it? The relationship between cause and the effect. Hmm. I throw some waste, it certainly has an effect. I clean up the waste, it has a certain effect. Mm -hmm. This understanding of the cause-effect relationship mm -hmm. is central to good behavior, which is what all science communication aims yes. at. Yeah. Point number two, please understand, and I was following your lovely question to Dr. Ghosh, mm -hmm. and I imagine he will agree with what I said, because I'm also going to build on what he said. We have gone beyond baby steps is what he said. Mm -hmm. Now, what is a clear takeaway? Please understand there is something called a policy. The policy is supported by plans. Hmm. Plans embed many programs. And in each of the programs, there are a large number of projects. So we are looking at a continuum of policies, plans, programs, and projects. Hmm. Large volume of activity happens in the hands of some people who specialize in policies. Hmm. And that is translated with a very good, seamless connectivity between plans, programs, and projects. Mm. My colleague, Dr. Tyagi, whose recent work on science clubs has demonstrated the relevance of this kind of a continuum. To be very precise on this energy aspect, energy is to be seen as a unifying principle. Energy 
for purposes of survival for purposes of growth and for purposes of prosperity now what is the final twist to this in the process of extracting using energy do i generate what are called externalities externalities are impacts which people suffer without having generated them themselves mm-hmm. i grow a rose garden my neighbor enjoys the fragrance of the rose garden <laughs> this is a positive externality <laughs> somebody drives a polluted vehicle <laughs> and my child and me inhale the exhausts that is a negative externality <laughs> which therefore means everything we do is to converge on the principle of responsible behavior in the garb of looking at energy as a unifying principle <laughs> and therefore i conclude by saying every individual has a certain definite role in having to clean up our environment mm-hmm. and if the individual accepts this with a sense of responsibility equity and justice there is no debate on the pathway we left to adopt it's so strange the more you think about and talk about systematic science so to say more than rocket science it comes across as common sense true and possibly that's the beauty of it yeah 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 uh dr ghosh let us now talk about enhancing energy efficiency i'd like you to guide us on how india's energy basket looks like right now you see there are two issues that you talked about one is energy efficiency one is energy basket now as far as energy efficiency is concerned under the for example the national action plan on climate change which was uh, adopted by the government in 2008 and which has been under implementation all these years india put in place several programs to enhance energy efficiency so one was the appliances labeling program so in the initial years the bureau of energy efficiency they notified energy efficiency standards for different star categorization of appliances that is for example refrigerators air conditioners and so on and then they waited for the consumer response and what they found is that the star appliances even though they were a little more expensive than the unstar appliances that the consumers became, were very conscious of the need to conserve energy and so on a very large scale preferred the star appliances at the next stage the government has made the mandatory that now in fact you cannot go to an appliance store and buy an unstar appliance and for example like the minimum star rating is is 3 stars and of course many people they opt for 4 stars and some opt for also also 5 stars so this shows that the fact that we have moved in a few years mm-hmm. from completely unstarred to fully starred appliances this is one measure then the second most important measure has been the perform achieve grade program of the government in the first uh, first year instance almost 500 large scale industries which together accounted for more than 50% of the total commercial energy consumption in the country they were identified and given individual targets for realizing efficiency energy efficiency in a space of 3 years some of those who could exceed their energy efficiency targets they would get certificates for the excess those companies which chose or could not accomplish their targets and they faced a deficit they would either face a financial penalty or they could buy these the excess certificates from the other companies which had overachieved Hmm. and then meet their own targets so in the first three years this was also resounding success and now it is being extended to a number of different industries so these were the two major programs as far as energy efficiency is concerned now as far as the energy basket of india is concerned now india even now is reliant on coal 
for a major share of our power generation, some 65 to 70 percent. But in order that we have provide for enough peaking capacity, we also have a certain amount of hydropower capacity and also a certain amount of natural gas capacity. These are the two technologies, two you know, two power sources which can actually provide the peaking loads. Now these are being supplemented. Even hydropower has adverse environmental impacts, mainly through impacts on biodiversity and through mm-hmm. displacement of local people. So now these are being displaced quite rapidly, I would say, by clean energy technologies, which include solar, wind, to some extent biomass, uh, and to some extent nuclear. And India has adopted target that by 2030, 40% of our total power installed capacity will be from clean energy on non-fossil fuels. This is a huge target because it involves some almost 350 gigawatts of capacity by 2030, which is increased by an order of magnitude of the amount of clean energy technologies that we have. So we expect that in the course of the next 20 years, we will see a very rapid shift away from fossil fuels to clean energy technologies. But even by 2050, we still see that there will be a certain role for conventional technologies like coal and natural gas because to provide the base load and also because we do possess these resources, at least of coal we have possessed substantial resources and we do not want that our natural resources become valueless and that they also are, are actually the best guarantee of energy security. Also, the fossil fuels, they have this huge advantage that they are reliable whereas renewable energy technologies, they depend on the natural energy flows, the flows of the wind or when the sun shines. So they have to be balanced by conventional energy systems. Mr. Taghi, that brings me to a very important point. As I was told, you are busy with a mega school uh, project uh, Mm -hmm. these days. You know, what we as adults discuss here, Mm -hmm. how difficult do you think it is to, you know, convey to young minds? You you interact, I'm sure, with Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, younger minds who a few years later maybe will of course be in our position yeah, in yeah, yeah. you know in discussing things and deciding things how do you i think so far as the environment is concerned or the awareness about the environment is concerned i think the youngsters are quite aware of it especially the issues of polythene the air pollution water pollution and uh, the kind of natural disaster which are occurring they are quite aware of uh, these and they also aware of this fact that these are Uh, majority of them are man-made and they are trying to adopt the good practices also as a part of their environment education or no doubt like many of these things are not in their regular syllabus but as a initiative through the uh, media and the program like this there is definitely an awareness about the environment and they are willing to participate in all those uh, uh, initiatives where we are trying to improve the situation so in that way, I think uh, this, this serial itself was a part of that initiative and uh, we kept the whole thing was conceived and the way this the each episode is written and dramatized. We have taken the benchmark like uh, if anybody who is uh, 10th class, who has uh, studied up to 10th class, uh, that much science, the vocabulary or, or the thing, we have used you know, only up to that level. Beyond that, we have not... Uh, so you can see from the letters also. I was about to them, say that. Yeah, right. letters are there from are those youngsters letters, yeah. only. And the very interesting part is, if you see, 
these are not those students which are pursuing you know the science academically mm -hmm. they are quite still they are very aware of uh, these issues so this is you can say india is shining so i can tell you like uh, because we mm. are also receiving a lot of letters through mm. emails mm. and uh, by this distribution i can tell you like uh, the mails which you have received from himachal pradesh mm. uh, then uh, delhi uttar pradesh uh, bihar rajasthan telangana and west bengal so these are uh, the serial which uh, they are listening either hindi or english mm -hmm. so you can see the distribution and and majority of them are still pursuing their study uh, letters have come in from far away places like uh, this is gudia chaturvedi from hamirpur district in uttar pradesh and the one that i have in my hand right now is divya tiwari from village daniyapur from district kanpur rural Mm -hmm. all of them uh, the common thread between all these letters is the fact that vigyan prasar and all india radio have come together to do a very good job and all of them are benefiting from it and look at this this is a letter from a bhakti shakti radio shrota sang mm -hmm. that means it is a community of listeners which mm -hmm. they have found and they are listening collectively these programs a few more letters this is zainab fatima from shahjapur madhya pradesh manoj there is a one letter which uh, this is again from this our listener uh, group actually hmm. they they have written one poem also if you don't mind i can read it though it is in hindi sure, but sure. i think i can you keep on giving the gist Let's of look at the gist, gist. this is say the chamkeele peele rangon se ab doob rahi hogi dharti kheto kheto phooli hogi sarso hasti hogi dharti so he is talking about colors of nature nature especially mm. when the mustard is flowering you know mm. you see the entire earth become yellow panchmi aaj dhalte jaadon ki is dopheri mein jangal mein naha odhni peeli sukha rahi hogi dharti so he is talking about uh, when the mustard is maturing and the hmm. whole uh, earth become yellow so he this poem is about that beauty of uh, how the nature look like at that time moving on uh, from letters to the topic that we were discussing uh, dr gopichandran in terms of conservation practices what if you were in place of a teacher how would you approach the topic the most important element is the local relevance hmm. of what is being communicated for children uh, residing in urban areas the kind of energy conservation focus mm. and source of energy could please mark mm. the word could mm. be different from children in areas mm. i will not say rural mm. areas where these kinds of energy sources are not available mm. therefore the name of the game is local appropriateness mm. and number 2 the kind of tools and techniques they could use mm. for either improving and energy practice or reducing energy loss become very important and it is possible to adopt such practices even at the household level now the most important message if i were to speak with children is to tell them that even you as an individual can really contribute to the larger picture of conservation with a very clear quantitative and a qualitative correlate it is important to give this message because we should not suffer the problem of that birbal's story of you know people putting milk in a kind of a cauldron <laughs> every other person said look the other person will put milk and i'll put water <laughs> you know we should not face that problem <laughs> and that problem arises out of a kind of a feeling that it's such a big issue <laughs> how can i contribute <laughs> to it local relevance and highlighting the importance of the role the individual can play 
becomes extremely important. Mm-hmm. I think there is a, some role of community also. I'll give you a first-hand information which I had in Shillong. There is a sacred forest, Devan, which is mm-hmm. in Moflong. It is a self-imposed code on the each community member. Even they will not pluck even a leaf from that forest. Mm-hmm. So there is no enforcement agency. It's mm-hmm. only the village and the local people. They are maintaining that. There are two kinds of uh, forest there. One is the protected forest and other is the sacred grove. And even in the protected forest, the headman of the village is deciding like uh, the people who are newly married. They are coming to them. They are asking that they, they need this much uh, tree to build a house because they are newly married. He is having, you know, the applications from this and how many trees to be cut. That is decided by that headman and only those people who are uh, some preferences given on some consideration. So it's not everybody is getting, they have to wait till that time or they have to postpone their marriage. So Hmm. this kind of uh, culture which we had and these people are still maintaining that there is no external enforcement agency for them. Everything is, we have to replicate such model Hmm. and we need to know the insight like what is that mechanism which is working, why not we can apply in other situation. Uh, Tyagi referred to an excellent example of self-regulation in communities. Mm. I will take just only one minute doing my service to the field of science communication. And that is, if any message has to be accepted by, let's use the word listener or Mm -hmm. a learner, they look for credibility Mm -hmm. at two fronts. Is the person who is communicating credible enough to talk about this? And number two, is whatever being communicated to us feasible insofar as action is concerned. Mm. Therefore, credibility of the communicator and feasibility of the solution or an alternative Mm -hmm. are the two most important keys to this process of mutual empowerment. The person who communicates and the person who's communicated with. I learned this from the Center for Environment Education, Uh Uh which was given this task. And they came out with this brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. You know, what habit do I have to kick? Please help me pick right. Yeah. We've been talking about young people for a while. Dr. Ghosh, you are with Terry. I wanted to touch upon the topic of innovation for coming out with out-of-the-box solutions. Just to give an example, in a neighboring country, I'd gone on an official visit and in rural areas, flanking the highways were pillars which had both solar panels and wind panels, which I've not seen anywhere else. In India, we have this example, I think it started in Gujarat, that the, you know, we have a problem about the irrigation canals, hmm. that there is a lot of evapotranspiration. Also, Gujarat had impact on a very ambitious program of deploying solar panels. So the solution was to deploy solar panels above the irrigation channels. Mm-hmm. So with the result that the shade that provided by the solar panels, they reduced the evapotranspiration. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that the space above was otherwise being wasted. Mm-hmm. So it was used for the solar panels because otherwise solar panels will require allocation of land. Mm-hmm. So this was, again, a solution which took into account mm-hmm. the local circumstances. So there are many such examples of innovation, whether of technology, mm-hmm. whether of deployment, mm-hmm. whether of policy in developing countries as well as in developed countries. I have seen for myself in a rural area in India that you see the bullocks which are used for plowing and so on, that they are idle for a large part of the year. So one local entrepreneur, he had devised a generator which was generating electricity by making the bullocks go round and round Mm -hmm. in some kind of a horizontal spoke Mm -hmm. wheel. And then this generator was used 
to charge lead acid storage batteries and these lead acid storage batteries were being hired out to the local villagers for lighting their homes fans and for the all important color television set so this is an example of local grassroots innovation which involves both development of technology as well as a business innovative business model to make use of this technology now this was an example using cycle by building a dynamo in that and then charging the mobile phones because in rural area bihar and up there there is no light for many days but your mobile cannot work for more than 2 or 3 days you need to charge it so there's a group of people young people they came out with solution they made a dynamo by with bicycle fix up and then in series they are putting lot of uh, mobiles phone uh, which they are charging and one is paddling the bicycle and uh, doing that so these are there but i just want to ask uh, uh, from doctors sir what could be the best energy option for india in future if we look at the current scenario you mm. told about the basket of energy in india but what could be the future option so that uh, we are at one end uh, fulfilling the need of uh, our own energy requirement and also we are progressing towards the clean energy well i would not point to a single magic bullet for our energy solutions but there are three very promising candidates i think all of them all of the three have a role one is of course solar we are a hugely solar endowed country and solar can be deployed on roof rooftops so it doesn't need additional land but then we also have some 12 15% of land which is not being put to significant productive purposes as of now and so that land can also be utilized for solar energy and that land is more than enough to meet our energy requirements for a very long time in the future the second is the biomass that we generate the cellulosic biomass that we generate mainly the rice straw wheat straw and so on which otherwise goes waste and which is fed to cattle but then the point is that you know the amount that is involved is about 500 million tons of coal equivalent a year mm. which is almost equivalent to our entire coal production so i think you know we have to find ways and there are technologies for utilizing this resource they can be used for power generation they can also through second generation biofuels technologies be converted into ethanol which can then be used for internal combustion engines and then they will represent a clean fuel so that's the second resource which would otherwise go waste mm. and which is available in humongous quantity the third is that india has the world's largest reserves of thorium we have developed one of the two countries which have developed the thorium program mm. the other is russia the thorium cycle and so we have a reactor which is about to be commissioned a commercial scale reactor which in a three stage cycle will utilize this thorium there are some other thorium technologies which are under development now this the thorium development has the potential to fully solve our base load requirements of power for almost all time to come because our reserves of thorium are so large and also thorium technologies are the new thorium technologies being developed which involve direct conversion of thorium into it converts it first into u233 and then u233 is converted in the same reactor into energy so this direct you know fission of conversion and fission of thorium is a technology which is not susceptible to proliferation so this will also address the question of scaling up nuclear power without the attended risks of proliferation so these are the three technologies i would say that in the long term which these rely on our own resources and they are the best guarantee of both our energy security as well as addressing environmental concerns well unfortunately the clock says we've we're running out of time and i take this opportunity to thank 
डॉक्टर प्रदीप्त घोष डिस्टिंग्विश फेलो एंड डायरेक्टर टेरी डॉक्टर आर गोपीचंद्रन डायरेक्टर विज्ञान प्रसार एंड डॉक्टर बी के त्यागी सीनियर साइंटिस्ट एंड कोऑर्डिनेटर एट विज्ञान प्रसार फॉर स्पेयरिंग टाइम टू कम टू द स्टूडियोज ऑफ ऑल इंडिया रेडियो फॉर दिस फ्रूटफुल डिस्कशन थैंक यू वेरी मच जेंट थैंक यू थैंक यू Life must go on. You are listening to the 16th episode of this science serial produced by All India Radio in collaboration with Vigyan Prasar titled Interactive Program based on listeners letters. Participants experts were Dr. Pradipto Ghosh distinguished fellow Terry and former secretary Ministry of Environment Forest and Climate Change Government of India Dr. R Gopichandran director Vigyan Prasar Dr. Birendra Tyagi scientist and coordinator Science serial Mr Manoj Bayankar was moderating the program you can send your letters by simple post our addresses science serial life must go on all india radio room number 615 new broadcasting house sansad marg new delhi 11001 you can also write on our email id radio@vigyanprasad.gov.in please do write or mail us your full name age and profession if associated with science club do let us know the membership of your club if you have any query or question don't hesitate to write to us we will be back again with the next episode of this science serial life must go on same day same time next week till then goodbye